I looked up some statistics the other day on the Australian Bureau of Statistics. It's quite interesting looking up death statistics. You know that in Australia we have something called a crude death rate. A crude death rate in Australia says that six and a half, it's fallen, it used to be 6.7, but in 2016 it's six and a half people die out of every thousand people in Australia. Every year. But there is an even cruder death rate, which they don't report. <laughs> and that's that over the course of their lifetime, 1,000 out of 1,000 people die. <laughs> death is an enemy. It alienates us from life, and ultimately it alienates us from God, who is the author of life. Uh, yes, it's true that there are some people who chase death. Uh, people who commit suicide, people who, who call for euthanasia, the so-called good death. But they're only chasing death because this world is so messed up. And in chasing death, it's not that, that we find relief in death, we just find... We just find that when we die... We exchange one, it's not right, for another, it's not right. Because we were never made to die. We were made to live forever with God. A lot of people will say, I don't want to live forever. I'd hate to live forever. Yeah, me too. In this world, although, you know, I'm, I'm happy to give it a shot. But there's so much sorrow and heartache. Death doesn't take that away. Death doesn't heal anything. Towards the end of last year, Taryn and I sat at the bed of my grandmother as she died. And her body was fading and uh, she was so full of drugs, she wasn't conscious at all, as far as we know. If you've been there or you've faced that yourself, Maybe you've been told by the doctor, you know what, this could be fatal. Or you've seen a loved one in that position. And perhaps even watched them die. Then I suspect that you will agree with me today that death is an enemy. I don't want to die. I hope you don't want to die. Life is good. and Yes, it's messed up, but there's some good stuff here as well. You know, on, on the night before Jesus was executed, he was in the garden crying out to God, saying, Father, if possible, don't, don't let me go through with this. I don't think Jesus wanted to die either. But he chose to do it. He did die all those years ago on that first Easter. And we're here this morning because we believe that his death wasn't the end. We believe that, that he defeated death. He slew the enemy. We're here because we believe that he rose from the grave. 
I mean, this is the good news that we proclaim. What Peter, what Peter, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 12, Christ rose from the dead. That's what we preach. If you come here any Sunday, hopefully you'll come back, uh, you'll leave the place knowing that Jesus is alive. If he's not, we're in trouble. The problem is, if you go to people in the street, most of them will turn to you and say, you know, I've got a claim for you. Dead people stay dead. I was reading an internet philosopher saying, um, Jesus didn't appear to anyone after Easter Sunday. And he is sure of that because dead people don't appear to others. The dead don't appear. I mean, the way the Bible tells it, just about, well, just about, I think, almost everyone, if not everyone, didn't take Jesus seriously when Jesus said, I'm going to come back to life again on the third day. The woman who went to the, women who went to the tomb on Sunday morning, they didn't go to meet the risen Jesus, they went to embalm his body. Thomas, even when his friends said, Jesus is alive, Thomas said, you guys are nuts. Dead people don't appear. Prove it to me. There were a couple of disciples, maybe a husband and wife, we're not sure, but they were so disillusioned that they left Jerusalem and walked all the way home to Emmaus. They got a bit of a surprise halfway along when somebody joined them and a little bit later when he had a meal with them. But they weren't expecting it. In Corinth, some 15 to 20 years after the resurrection, that's roughly, we think, when this letter was written. This claim that Jesus came back from the dead was still being challenged. Some were arguing, uh, probably, that the, the resurrection is a spiritual thing. You know, it, it's, not, it's not a tangible thing, but it's an inner reality. I don't know why, but when you speak about stuff like that, you have to go all breathless. It's an inner reality. It's some otherworldly transformation. Something that doesn't affect your, spirit, your physical life, your, your physical body. They were saying, in effect, that Easter means nothing. That Easter, well, it, it means nothing practical. Dead bodies stay dead, and if there is erection, it's some, you know, nebulous spiritual thing that just but says Paul if we insist there is no such thing as a physical resurrection as people bodily coming back to life then logically if nobody comes back to life if the dead don't appear then Jesus didn't actually literally rise from the dead We met on Friday morning and we heard Jesus saying that he had authority to lay down his life and authority to take his life up again. Here's the thing. If dead people don't appear, if there was no resurrection of the dead, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus couldn't have been raised from the grave. And if Jesus wasn't raised from the grave, even though he said he would be, then Jesus is a liar. He's untrustworthy. He's been proven untrustworthy. And if, if, if Jesus is not alive, physically alive, 
then to put our trust in him is pointless and senseless and useless, 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 useless. You notice how many times Paul says useless in our passage today. If there's no resurrection, says verse 15, we apostles would all be lying about God for we've said that God raised Christ from the grave. That cannot be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. Again, verse 16, if the dead aren't raised, then neither was Christ. He was, after all, a human like us, God become man. And if Jesus is not alive, then we are still in our sins. Because Jesus was obviously just a really good liar. And when he said, if you trust me, you'll be right with God, why should we trust him? Because he also said, I'm coming back from the dead. If he couldn't do that, he can't save us. If Jesus isn't alive, then my guilt and your guilt was more than he could bear. And as for those Christians who've died, well, they died trusting a scam. If Jesus didn't come back from the dead, you better phone the ACCC, is that? No, no. Consumer Affairs, that's the one. Better phone Consumer Affairs and say, I've got to report a scam. Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then people are giving up their lives for a lie. If there's no resurrection from the dead, we're in big trouble. <laughs> we would spend a lifetime following Jesus only to die and get to stand before the throne of God and God saying, well, you know what, actually, he was a fraud. Not that we'd be standing in before the throne of God, would we? Because there'd be no resurrection from the dead. Floating there. If, if Jesus isn't alive, then us trusting him is of the same quality as being told that you've got terminal cancer. And instead of following the doctor's advice, going and doing a lemon detox diet. Lemons are delicious, but they don't cure cancer. The good news of Christianity is, is not a list of how to live. Laws are not good news very much. The good news of Christianity is a claim that God raised Jesus to life again. That death is defeated, that our sins are forgiven, that we can be right with God. And that claim lies on the floor in pieces if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Good science, if you do good science. Good science is based on repeating tests. If, if you do, a, a lot of people get into trouble sometimes when they, they write a paper in a journal and they say, we've proven this, and then Joe Bloggs comes along and says, well, I followed exactly the steps that you said and I got something different. If you can't repeat it, you can't prove it. 
That's what science is about. It's about repeatability of experiments. Uh, I cannot give you proof for the resurrection this morning uh, in terms of scientific proof for the simple fact that it's happened once. I'm not going to repeat it because I'm not Jesus. And Jesus isn't going to repeat it because he's already beaten death. And even though we can't prove it scientifically, I want to suggest to us from what Paul is saying today that, that there is plenty of evidence that Jesus rose from the grave never to die again, physically. And every religion out there says that they can provide you with uh, subjective experiential evidence. You know, uh, if you just believe hard enough, you'll come to see that it's true. Um, I've had, I forget if it's the Mormons or the JWs at the door saying, you know what, you just have to read and, and ask God to show you that it's true and then you'll believe that it's true. And all religions do that. We, we experience stuff as well as Christians. But, but Paul's focus here is not just on the personal private experience of whether something is true or not. Paul wants us to have a, 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 a more solid grasp on what the truth is than just what I experience. That's why Paul, when he comes and speaks about the resurrection of the dead, he starts and he gives us historical evidence, eyewitness evidence about things that actually happened in actual history, in an actual place, that actual people saw. You see, the good news that Jesus is alive and death is defeated is centered around time and space. It's centered around real things that actually happened. It starts with Jesus' death and burial. A real death, a literal burial in a literal cave with a real stone that was covered over at the opening. There's a few people these days who try and say, oh, Jesus didn't really die, but... You, you check with 99% of all scholars and they'll say to you, we have no doubt that there was a man called Jesus and that he died. Well, the good news doesn't stop with the fact that he died. The focus of the good news is that he was literally raised to life again. The, the fact that Jesus died is easy to believe because we, you know, we can't scientifically prove that people die. We repeat the experiment Six and a half times out of every thousand people every year. But the fact is also that so many people claim to have seen Jesus alive. People like Peter and the other disciples saw Jesus and they didn't just see him, they spoke with him. And they didn't just speak with him, they touched him. And they didn't just touch him, they actually ate with him. Have a look, if you've got your Bibles, uh, flick over with me to uh, John chapter 21. I'll read it from the, the, the front here. John chapter 21 verses 9 to 13. When they got there, so the, the disciples, they're on the Sea of Galilee. They've seen someone in the distance. Uh, he's called them in. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Jesus said, this is the risen Jesus. So Simon Peter went aboard and he dragged the net to the shore. There were about 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. Some people might say, you know what, the disciples, they were just, it's, it's wishful thinking that Jesus would come back. 
In my experience, wishful thinking has a hard time serving up fish and bread. As in they literally took it from his hands. One time, says Paul, more than 500 people all together at once saw Jesus. They, they can't all have dreamt it. If they'd made it up, come persecution and persecution came, somebody would have broken and said, oh, we, we made it up. These weren't gullible men and women, by the way. We've already said that they weren't looking for Jesus to be alive. In fact, one of the people that Paul mentions here is, is James. James says something interesting. He's, he's Jesus' uh, half-brother, uh, Mary's son. Have a listen to Mark chapter 3, uh, verse 21. Is that up there, Wayne? Uh, when his family heard what was happening, Jesus, you know, doing Jesus stuff, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. James. Jesus' brother. My brother's mad. And all of a sudden he turns around and starts saying, actually, he's not mad, he's God. This was not somebody wanting Jesus to be alive. Maybe hoping that he was alive, but this is someone who went from going, he's mad, to going, wow, he's God. And Paul, persecuting the church wanting to destroy Christians, hating Jesus. He wasn't looking for Jesus to be alive. In fact, he was pretty sure that he was dead because Jesus was a charlatan, according to Paul. And then Paul saw the, the risen Jesus ascended back to heaven at that stage. If Jesus didn't come back from the dead, then to listen to him, to put your trust in him, would make you a fool. But what about the fact that actually no, let's let's pause there first. For Paul and for me and hopefully for you, there is enough evidence that Jesus did rise from the dead. I've got a few minutes here this morning. There are tomes written on the evidence. Don't worry, I'm not reading one to you. But what about the fact that we cannot repeat the experiment? What about the fact that although we are here this morning saying Jesus is alive and that death is defeated and death is broken, what about the fact that dead people still stay dead? How can we stand here and say we follow a risen saviour and death is defeated when each one of us has seen a loved one maybe die and seen Christians, people who put their trust in Jesus, die?
says Paul. It's a question of time. Jesus is the the first fruits. He's the he's the first pick. The fact that Jesus has risen from the dead, that he is alive, and people saw him, is evidence to us that death cannot have a death grip. The fact that Jesus came back to life says to us that the time of the harvest is almost near. The full harvest. We've got a, a grapevine growing in our, in our garden, it, well, in our mess at the moment, because I haven't been weeding the last week or two, or month, or two, or three. But when the grapes start getting ripe, you can pick one or two. The first lot are usually a bit sour, and then you get one that is ripe. And you bite into it, and you're just like, oh, this is amazing. I cannot believe that this grape is as incredible as it should be. I've waited a whole year for this. And then if you're anything like me, you take another one, and you give it to your wife, and you say, try this. And she bites in, oh, it's sour. You see... The grape that I had was the first fruit. The harvest wasn't ready yet. And, and I know, biblical times, the harvest was ready at that time, but, but the time is stretched when it comes to the resurrection. I picked that first one. And with time, the rest can be harvested. The first fruits in the Old Testament is where they... They take the first bit of the harvest and they take it to God and they say, thank you God for what you've done. Jesus has done that as well. He's taken his life, he's with the Father right now and he will return. And when he does, the death grip of death is completely gone. It's completely gone. Have you ever seen a, a dam break? If you get some water, you can build a, a mud dam across the front of it. And it works for a while, but as soon as you get a hole in that dam, the water comes through. And when you get one hole in your dam, run, because the dam is going to burst. One hole and the dam is doomed, says me as a non-engineer. Certainly if it's a, if it's a, um, a sand dam, you are doomed to fail. Jesus has made the hole. The dam is about to burst. If Jesus is alive, it means that we too can be alive. It means that death does not have all powerful reign over us. 
And we have to make up our minds. We have to weigh the evidence, and not just the evidence from 1 Corinthians, but the eyewitnesses of, of the Gospels and, and, and what the Bible tells us. We have to decide if Jesus is alive or if Jesus is dead. If he's dead, you better shape up and, quite frankly, go away. Because you're wasting your time here. But if he's alive, then death is a defeated foe. And even though it will still strike out at us, it cannot hold on to us anymore. If he's alive, then it makes sense to say, Jesus, I want to experience you in my life. On the basis of the facts, I am convinced that you are alive. Would you live in me? I said earlier, all religions claim to offer experiential evidence. Yeah, good. Experiential evidence is fantastic. Stuff that you experience for yourself. But what I want to ask you is, what is that based on? The Bible doesn't just say, you know, try really hard until you feel that God loves you. The Bible says God loves you and he proved it on the cross. And he proved it when he rose from the grave. And if that's true, trust him. And we can remember him until he returns. And death is utterly defeated. That's what we're going to do now. We're going to remember the fact that Jesus died. But when Jesus shared his last meal with his disciples, one of the things he said to them was, is to do it in remembrance of him. He also said to them, I'm not going to drink of this cup until the day I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. In other words, I'll see you on the other side. In other words, death isn't going to have the last say. So if this morning you weigh up the evidence and you go, Dead people stay dead, but it seems to me that Jesus didn't. And I'm going to invite you to come up here and take a glass of grape juice representing Jesus' blood, poured out for us, spilled for us, and take some bread representing his body, and take it knowing that Jesus' death was so that we don't have to. We don't have to die. And eat it and drink and remember and say, Jesus, I believe you died. And I believe I'm not a fool to say that you're alive. And I trust you and I want to experience the risen Jesus in my life today and tomorrow and the next day and all of the rest of my days here on earth and all of my days into eternity. An eternity where there is no sorrow or sickness or sadness or anything. An eternity which is the way it's meant to be. Look, if, if you're sitting here this morning going, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure about all the evidence. I respect that. 
But I want to challenge you if you think that there is sufficient evidence to say maybe Jesus is alive. I want to challenge you to come up and say, Jesus, I want to investigate more. But I'm angling on the side that you are alive. And I want to trust you. Come and take. Eat and drink. In fact, why don't you come forward and, and take? Thank you, Rich. Yeah. Or just. Yeah.